it's not just good thoughts. It's not just, I can quote a scripture. It's being transformed. It's taking the Word of God and reading it, observing it. How do I apply it to my life? God, help that take root in my heart. Because when the stuff happens, when the storms happen, that's what's gonna come out of my mouth. Okay, 2024 is here. Can you believe it? 2024, I still remember when we were hanging on by our, by our fingernails for 2000 to come and we didn't know if the world was gonna end and here we are 24 years later. Do you remember that? Does anyone remember that? Are we, are we gonna be here when it gets to 2000? Here we are, 24 years later. And maybe you, like I have done sometimes, when, you know what, 2023 was, that was rough. 2024 is gonna be, put all that behind us, 2024 is gonna be better. But you know what I've discovered is that every year carries with it just some stuff. Life, right? Many of you have children, little ones, older ones, and the thing that is so incessantly annoying about them at times is when they ask why. But why mommy? Why daddy? Well, why can't I go where everybody else is going? Or why can't I have a phone when they have a phone? Why can't I be on social media? Everybody else is on social media. Why, why, why? I was thinking about that and thinking that, you know, the planet has probably close to eight billion people right now. And imagine if all of them start going, God, why, why, why? We think it's bad with a couple of kids. Can you imagine billions of people going, God, why? And yet why is a default inside of us, isn't it? Do you find that? Oh, man, why did that have to happen? I mean, why did they have to turn up then? Three years ago, a number of you would know this story, but three years ago, our younger son, Sam's, sister-in-law, so his wife's sister at the age of 34, died very unexpectedly and tragically. Lee Beth was a beautiful young woman who just had some things going on in her life. I remember Sam was at the hospital as they realized that there was no brain activity. They just worshiped Jesus together. Hard. I remember hearing Lisa speak about a year later at a conference where the speaker before her got up and talked about their child who had been on a similar path and had gotten through it and is doing well. Except for Lisa, that wasn't the end of the story for them. Why? She said, I, I just sat there and thought, why couldn't that have been our daughter's story? Why? And I just had to resolve that it wasn't. But God, I don't understand it all. I don't know all the answers. I want to know. I want there to be a rational answer. Isn't that why we ask why? Because I want you, God, to explain to me how come I'm here in this situation. So if you can just lay it out, so I could get some understanding, well, that would be just great. But very often there's silence. Or an answer that we don't anticipate that knocks us off our feet. About 13 months after Sam and Laurie walked through that, Laurie was pregnant with their third baby. They didn't know what 
the gender was, and she went in for her 14-week ultrasound, and the doctor said, I'm so sorry. There's no heartbeat. Some of you have walked through that. You know the pain. Some of you have walked through multiple losses. It feels like loss after loss after loss. I watched this little couple navigate. She had to go to labor and delivery, and the doctor felt like just where the pregnancy was at, that she had to deliver this little baby. I saw a picture of my son standing over a crib, his back, looking at his little 14-week baby girl. Why? Why? Things don't happen that don't, we don't understand, and they challenge our faith and our walk, walk with Christ, don't they? What do we do when there's no answers? What do we do when heaven seems silent? A couple of things about the question, why? The why question often comes out of pain, right? Betrayal, heartbreak, disappointment, grief, just to name a few. A career that we had lined up, that boom. All of a sudden, wow, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see the company folding. I didn't see that my job would be finishing. A college we'd hoped and dreamed of attending and we don't get accepted. A loss of a loved one. A horrible health diagnosis. The word cancer maybe has been spoken. Friend, listen to me. Our hope and anchor is in the Lord Jesus. Maybe you're mad and frustrated because life just is not where you thought it would be. Well, I didn't think my life would look like this, said everyone at some point in their life. Just so you know, you're not alone. Wow, didn't see that coming. I, um, I was on Instagram the other day and these people had three kids and they wanted to go for number four and got triplets. <laughs> so hey, you just went from three to six. <laughs> Have at it, right? Didn't see that coming. Welcome to life, throws us curveballs. I remember when I was, I can't remember which of my kids it was, but I just birthed this baby. And the nurse came in the next day, said, look, looking at that baby, she was, you know, doing all the things that nurses do. She said, well, they start off sweet and innocent. <laughs> but let me tell you, they grow up and break your heart. That's what can happen to us if we don't resolve before the Lord what's going on in our heart. Is that we don't just, it doesn't, it's not just contained in here, it goes everywhere in that world. Left undealt with, it becomes cynicism, sarcasm, bitterness. Any one of us can. Because life hits all of us, and we all have an opportunity to go, this is gonna take me out, or Lord, I'm gonna take you by the hand, and as hard as it is, I'm gonna keep my heart soft, I will. Thank you, Jesse. 
I'm reminded about the story of Abraham and Sarah. Steve might have touched on it last week. But I think about a woman who was infertile, fertility problems. Now, back then, you know, we have so much great medical technology and advancements and stuff. We really are blessed. But back then, there was nothing. If you didn't get pregnant, well, that's just the way it was. And yet an angel comes. In fact, they had believed Abraham and Sarah, many of you know the story, but God had spoken to Abraham and said, you're going to see the stars you're going, to, you're going to have, that's going to be your descendants. And he's like, okay, I don't have a child. <laughs> so he goes and tells Sarah, and she's like, you know what, we've got a maidservant, so why don't you sleep with her and have a baby? Never a good suggestion ever. <laughs> and yet an angel comes after all that has happened and says, Abraham, I'm going to come back in a year and Sarah's going to have a baby. And she was standing and she could hear. And the Bible says she laughed. But it wasn't a laugh of, oh my gosh, <laughs> it was. <laughs> and she got called out, what, you laughed. No, no, I didn't laugh, I didn't laugh. Yeah, you laughed. Now, comparatively speaking, Sarah would have been about 55 or 60. So you know, girls, it is not going to happen. But God says now. And listen, I don't know what you're wrestling with. I don't know what you're waiting for. I don't know what seems to be taking so long. But this is what I do know. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know. We know that God causes everything, not just a couple of things, not just one thing, not just, well, maybe he causes it. No, the Bible says that we know that God causes everything, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We know that God causes everything. So I don't know what's going on in your world, but I want to remind you today that you can walk out of here going, God, you work everything. That heartbreak, you're working good in my situation. That job, that career, that health diagnosis, you're working good. That's what I get to hold on to. Second thing is our why comes out of Confusion. When everything seems to line up perfectly, layer upon layer upon layer, and then boom, at the last minute. Man, I'm just so confused. Has those words ever come out of your mouth? I am just so confused. I mean, I thought God was in this. I really did. A number of you know this story, but years and years and years ago, I worked in the local courts, like the courts in the, in the city, and um, I went for a job in an attorney's office, and it was more, uh, more pay and better hours. Flex time. I mean, talk about checking the box. And so I put my resignation in. Went into my boss and said, I've you know, been offered a job. And went home, and two weeks, I'm starting a new job. Except something weird happened that had never happened to me ever before, is that I couldn't sleep. 
I would toss and turn every night. I said, Steve, I don't know what's going on, but I cannot sleep. I don't know. I think it's something to do with the job. I don't know. Can we pray? We prayed. Still couldn't sleep. Three or four nights go by, I still can't sleep. Okay, Steve, let's, let's um, drive down past it. Maybe there's, we've got to go and pray down where my new job is. You know how we reason with God, we wrestle with God when we know he's pointing out something in our life. We're like, yeah, I just think I can get around it. I really do. I think I can manipulate it to go in my favor. And so we drove down, and I said, Steve, look, maybe the, the wrestle I feel in my heart is because, well, the attorney's office is by that, and that's not probably good, and, and I'm just throwing out everything. And then finally, I just said to Steve, I just can't take that job. I just know. I can't take it. I wanted to know why. Oh. Can there be an angelic choir going, and you can't be caught? I mean, that would help a little bit. And so I called them up. I said, I, I you know, just want to apologize, but I cannot take the job. And they found someone else. There was actually someone else in our office that took the job. So, like, get a knife in your heart right there, right? <laughs> but this is what I know. I thought, hmm, I wonder if I can get my old job back. Now, this is back in the day where email didn't exist. I know for some of you, you're like, what? <laughs> where you actually typed out a resignation on a manual typewriter. You don't even, most of you don't even know what a manual typewriter is. It's how I learned to type. Anyone learn on manual typewriters? A, 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 space, you remember that? Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're, you young people are like, that is bizarre. It is. <laughs> so anyway, I went back into my boss's office and I said, I am sorry, embarrassed. I don't know what's going on, but um, I just decided not to take that job. And I'm just wondering <laughs> if um, my, I can stay here. And you know what he did? And I had a great boss. He opened the drawer. He pulled out my resignation and he tore it up. And he said, I was hoping this would happen. Now, to this day, that's 37 years ago. I wished I could tell you why I couldn't take that job. I have no idea. But God said no. And can we as believers be good with that? I'm confused. I don't understand. But God, you've said no. And so, I trust you. Third thing is, our why comes out of bad decisions we make. Ugh. That relationship that we keep running back to when we know it's not good for us. Why is this happening to me again? The money we keep spending on our credit card getting further and further in debt. Why do these people keep calling me these creditors? Why? <laughs> they want their money and then some. Our tongue that just keeps shooting, we just keep shooting our mouth off. Oh, why? Bible talks about it's easier to steer a ship than tame a tongue. What a thought. What a crazy thought. 
But we keep making the same decisions and then cry out to God demanding a why when it all comes crashing down. This is kind of a funny example. But probably 15 years ago, maybe even more, 20 years ago, our family did a holiday in the Keys, in Key West, actually. And I remember this particular day. I don't remember much else about the vacation. I'm sure it was amazing, except not for this day. So this particular day, we go out to breakfast, and you're on, your ho on holiday, and you go out for brunch, and you know, and you have all the stuff you really shouldn't eat. I mean, you probably eat it anyway, but you make it extra special when you're away, right? And so we went to this diner, and I ordered banana walnut waffles. Now, some of you haven't had breakfast, and you're starving just thinking about that right now. But it's a waffle that came out, had ice cream, syrup, walnuts, banana. Yeah. So I sat and ate it, and it was great with all our kids. We're there eating breakfast. Then we left breakfast, and we walked across the road, and we're just looking around, and there was this catamaran there, and they were doing snorkels. You know, you could go out to the reef and do snorkeling. And Steve's like, we should go. We should go out to the reef, and we should, we should go snorkeling. I'm like... Note, just a little side here, an aside, is that I don't do really good on boats, and I tend to get motion sickness. So I'll just leave that with you. And I said, Steve, I've just eaten, and if I go out on that boat, anyway, he goes, let's talk to the people. Again, second big mistake, because they're like, oh, it's flat, and you're going to be fine. And it's only an hour out to the reef, and somehow I got talked into it. Like some of you have been talked into bad decisions. You know, you know you should not do this. But you allow peer pressure or what family or whatever to talk you into making a decision that you know is not good for you. So we actually get on the boat and it's an hour out to the reef and it's spectacular. I mean, the sky is blue and it is calm. And so we get out to the reef and I'm like, I'm doing great. So then we all put life jackets on and we get a snorkel and off we go. You have an hour to snorkel on the reef and see all the fish you want to see. I'm like, this is great. So we're about 100 yards from the boat. We're snorkeling as a family and Steve's got back in the day was these, you had these underwater cameras. It was like a camera with a waterproof case and he's taking pictures. And then it just started to get a little bit choppy and I started to swallow the salt water that was really salty and all of a sudden, I'm like, I feel awful. And I'm 100 yards from the boat. And I'm like, Steve, Steve. And I'm waving to him. He comes over. What's up? Steve, I feel really sick. In fact, I think I'm going to throw up. And he's like, right here in the water? I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. No sooner had he said that than I, <gasps> oh. And you know, something I didn't anticipate happened. The entire reef of fish. Those little fish with the sonar, whatever it is, that God gave them. I mean, I, I, could, I could feel them. But I'm feeling so awful, I don't really care. I don't even care if a shark comes and eats me. I feel so bad. When, you, when you're that sick, when you're that sick, you don't care. And so I'm literally just like, oh, I can't even barely move. And Steve's like... <laughs> He's just, are you okay? But taking pictures of the fish right there. 
Welcome to married life, guys and girls. Welcome. Yeah. And then I'm just there for another minute, and I'm like, Steve, I think I'm going to be sick again. And he's like, you are? <laughs> Kids, come over here. You're going to see the fish. And I proceed to be sick again, and back come the fish. He literally had to really drag me to the boat. I got into the boat. I don't think anyone else knew what was happening. They probably saw these fish take off and like, wow, where are they all going? Under the water. I laid out on the boat the entire hour back. We got back to the shore. There was a um, Burger King with air conditioning. I said, see, I have to lie down. I mean, anyone that's had been motion sick, you just know. And I was out. He's like, are you ready to go yet after an hour? I'm like, I cannot move. That's a funny story. But the truth is, there's a lot of life like that. We get talked into doing something. The repercussions are so bad. Friend, listen to me. The Holy Spirit leads us. He guides us. He empowers us. Don't allow people's circumstances to talk you into something because the end result you know won't be good. Romans 12, 2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, renew my mind, renew my mind. Listen, it's not just good thoughts. It's not just, I can quote a scripture. It's being transformed. It's taking the word of God and reading it, observing it. How do I apply it to my life? God, help that take root in my heart. Because when the stuff happens, when the storms happen, that's what's going to come out of my mouth. Number four, our why comes out of our failure to be content. Comparison. How come their marriage is better? How come their career path went like that? How come their kids got into that school? How come they're earning this amount of money? When if we really looked at our own life, we'd see just how blessed we are. The Apostle Paul learned this in Philippians. He said this, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things. I can do everything I've been put on the planet for. I can fulfill the purpose of God on my life because of Christ who gives me strength. I don't know if any of you are fans of Dave Ramsey. A couple years ago at Devoted, we had a daughter, Rachel Cruz, but Dave Ramsey takes calls from people, and um, a little while ago, I was listening, and he took a call from a gentleman who was probably in his 40s, and he'd gone into a lottery with his co-workers, and they won big. And in fact, this guy won $22 million. And he was calling Dave Ramsey to say, Dave, I don't want this to change me. He said, honestly, we live in a house that we've paid off, and we're real happy with it. We have two cars, they're both Toyotas, paid off. We're real happy with them. 
We haven't told our family and our teenage kids we haven't told. He said, I don't want to line outside my door. I want to be smart with this. You know, there's not many people like that. <laughs> not many people that don't want to broadcast to the world. But I've learned the secret of being content. If I have a lot, it's amazing. But if I don't, it's just as amazing. In Jesus' name. Number five, our why comes out of fear. Fear of what's ahead. Fear of the storms of life. Fear of the world that we live in right now. Because if you turn on the news at every, any given day, it could send you into a tailspin. I remember saying to Steve a couple of years ago, Steve, the world our grandkids are coming into. He said to me, remember, God sends the right people at the right time. I want to encourage you because I remember my mom saying to me, you're raising kids, I don't know how you're doing it in the times. I think everybody's probably thought that. But God sends the right people at the right time. Mark 4 talks about this. Soon a fierce, fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. This is the disciples with Jesus. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Hello, I can't even, oh man, can you imagine? I'd be definitely over the side throwing up. And Jesus sweeps. Wow. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? <laughs> no, he's asleep, actually. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the, um, and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Why? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were terrified. Who is this man? Friend, listen, I want to remind you today, it's the Lord Jesus. Whatever storm you're in, he's facing with you. And number six, why don't we change the why question to a statement? Jesus, my hope is in you. Why don't we declare some things? Lord, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Lord, I trust you. My hope is in you. Lord, this hurts so bad, but I want to bring you glory because God, it's by your grace that I'm saved and living this life. There's nothing I could have done. But Lord, you're here. A friend of ours, Paul Dion, got a horrible cancer diagnosis a couple years ago. He was given four months to live, two and a half years ago. He had a melanoma that had metastasized to the brain and throughout his body. Did a surgery and they got the melanoma on the brain, but then they're like, well, we can't do anything with the rest, except we can put you on immunotherapy. And you know, this past December, we had the privilege of going with Paul to his last immunotherapy. Steve and I walked in with his wife and we sat in the cancer room, the cancer clinic. The nurses were amazing. Doctor, fabulous. Paul and Marie walk in. Paul's a pastry chef. That's what he did when he was a younger man. He'd made chocolate eclairs, beautiful cakes for all the nursing staff to say thank you. It's been a two-year journey. See, church, sometimes we find ourselves in places we don't want to be. And we can spend all our energy going, why, why? 
Why? Instead of going, well, Lord, I'm here, so I'm going to be here on purpose. Maybe I can give someone a smile in the midst of my heartache or just extend a hand and say, I've been where you are. They had a big gift basket. They knew that the doctor had some kids. They did a big basket for him for Christmas to say, thank you. Gratitude. Lord, my hope is in you. It's not in a doctor's report because I understand my life is in your hands. You decided the day I'd come and the day I'd go. He called Steve a couple weeks ago. He said, Steve, I just got the final report. There's no trace of any active cancer in my body. But I remember in the two years, he said, Steve, you, out of anyone, have been the closest friend. You have been the wind beneath my wings through this journey. There were many conversations where he said, Steve, I have to acknowledge my life is in God's hands. God's hands. I don't know how that this is going to end. I know for some of you, you've done a cancer journey that hasn't been the result. But I want to encourage you. Our life is in the Lord's hands. Lord, help me see life from an eternal perspective. I can't understand it. I'm trusting and believing you. But this is what I know. Your nature and character is good, and all you do is good. And that's what I will cling on to. You know, the disciples were around Jesus all day, every day for a couple years. And they still didn't get it right all the time. As I'm getting older, I, I think I'm a, a more of a student now than I ever have been. Because there's still things that I'm like, huh, wow, I've never seen that before in the scripture. Or, Lord, I, I didn't understand that, but wow, I, I just need you to help me with that. The apostle Peter, who Jesus said, you're Peter, on this rock I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell won't, they won't prevail against you. Got it wrong too. In Matthew 16 verse 21 the Bible says that Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to, listen, reprimand. Can you imagine reprimanding Jesus? Hello, have you lost your mind? Guess what? We all lose our mind at times. For saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. I thought I was the rock. You were going to build something on me. And this is what he says. You're a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view not from God's. If I leave you with anything today, friend, may you work out, walk out of here more determined. Lord, I want to see it from your point of view. 
I want to see it from your point of view. Help me, Lord, see it from your point of view. Help me keep my eyes on you.